and welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish and the Masters of the Universe, Steel. And I'm Jade, bespectacled and beanie-fied Rose. And today's episode is a little special. It's our first No Box Vox Pop. It's a chance for you guys to send in quickfire questions and mini topics Silly, silly. That's a cross between serious and silly. But you can choose one or the other. <laughs> and vague, specific, vague. I'm sorry, I've ruined this whole intro. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's uh, it's new ground for us. But it's our job to try and answer your questions um, from our unique, some might say excessively so, uh, <laughs> viewpoint from being the geeky queer folk that we are. And thank you for everyone that did get back to us because. Uh, We've got a nice little cluster of questions to, to get us started on our first one. Yeah, and we are going to be doing this regularly, so just keep sending in anything you want us to talk about, and we'll add it to the list. Yeah, please do. Email. Um, we'll give out the details at the end for getting in contact, but Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, email. All wonderful ways of getting in contact, and we would love to hear from you. So, our first question comes from Spike LaPunk on Instagram. Loving the podcast so far. What gave you guys the inspiration to start Box Not Included? And how has the whole process been? Any other names that you almost went with? Um, well, I found that at my incredibly shitty job that I loathe, I can actually, in fact, listen to podcasts. Um, as long as I keep one if free, um, I can listen to podcasts without being distracted from my work. So I had sort of podcasts on the brain and... I was like, huh, I could do this. Who would I want to do this with? I'd want to do this with Hamish. <laughs> and and so I approached Hamish when we were meeting for um for a tabletop RPG game that he was running at the time. And I was like, do you want to do a geeky podcast with me where we talk about geeky stuff from the perspective of being queer? And he was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have attempted to do a few podcasts in the past. Mm-hmm. Um I did one with future guest Mel, who that was very much a comic book um, queer perspective one, and we stopped it because I found we had to buy a lot of and read a lot of comic books to do a podcast like that. Um, I've done a podcast before actually as well. I um, I uh, conceived and hosted the shortly lived uh, Pacific Rim podcast Radio Locent. Which you can still find the episodes of on SoundCloud, um, and I'm proud of them. It just fizzled out slightly, but I enjoyed the podcasting experience, though I'm enjoying it even more so this time around. Um, yeah, it's fun to change your subject that you're talking about <laughs> at a whim. On a whim. Uh, but it's also... Um, uh, the setup we've got is really fun. Uh, Hamish comes down, and... Um, or in the home studio here at Box Not Included headquarters. Mm-hmm. Location secret. <laughs> because... Even sometimes to me, because I sometimes walk past the house not knowing it's... Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Um, but it's been a good process, and the reception we've had so far has been really good. As regards to names, um, we said in the labels episode how much we struggled to find a name Yeah. for the podcast. Um one of we we bandied around for a while because it's something Hamish and I've talked about about our surnames and because um, I maintain that our surnames are really quite cool sounding as a as a pair 
um, as, as you're familiar, uh, Rose and Steel together, we thought, well, this sounds really cool. And we, we ran a few variants of that, including a Rose and Steel pontificate, like to riff on being investigators. And that got a really positive uh, response. But what we realised was it made us sound much cooler than we actually are. And we didn't want to give people the wrong impression of what they were going to listen to. Um, yeah, with our, our subject being slightly vague, it's quite hard to find um, a title that you know exactly what you're going to get by listening. Yeah. Um, I don't. I think we found something that certain people will know what we're going to be talking about, mm. but it's at least intriguing and hopefully not off-putting to people that don't. Yeah. Though I still do like the Dork Agenda. That was one of the fun ones. I like Dork Talk. Yeah, Specs and Strike. I like all of our past names, but none of them uh, felt right. Geek Out and Proud, or, yeah. or Geeking Out and Proud, was one that we stuck on for a little while, but decided it wasn't quite right. There's a few things, I think, called Geek Out and Proud, and they have nothing LGBT-related about it. I resent, that. I I resent, resent it as well. So you can't have pride. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? But yes, yeah, so um, a few names, but we hope that you guys like Box Not Included as much as we do. And we like coming up with box-related puns to things. Yes. Such as the box pod, box pop, and the box no box. <laughs> no box, box pop. pop. Yeah. I remember one of our names we did choose was too much alliteration and oxing and... Yeah, it, it was fun, but it was also a little ridiculous. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, our next question uh, comes from a uh, Twitter user... Tom Sturd, who's actually a, a player in the D&D game I run. So thank you, Tom. Um, who asked us, why in film universes, Marvel is the shit and DC is just shit? Discuss. Because apparently Tom wants to lob us a softball. <laughs> um, well, I would... I would say... That's changing. That's changing. That is changing, but it also has changed before. When you think mm. about... Um, at a time when you had sort of Tim Burton Batman films and um, it's obviously the sort of original Superman films mm -hmm. and things like that, and compared with maybe before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you did have Spider-Man, X-Men, but you had, you know, your Daredevils and Electras and... Yeah. I think it was a bit more varied. You didn't know what you were going to expect before. Whereas now we are very much in the case that the, the studios or the franchises are very much trying to create universes um that are sort of interconnected and i think that feels like kind of what we're talking about here these yeah. new cinematic universes that all sort of interact with each other and i suppose off the the first beat to say i have enjoyed more of the marvel cinematic universe first and foremost from an aesthetic point of view yeah because i just prefer looking at them but I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one, has the advantage of having the head start. And so, which also shows its flaws significantly more with regards to casting. Yeah. And lack of female-led uh, enterprises. But, I mean, and there's, but there's a lot of variety, I feel, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. One, because there's such a variety of characters within it. But the film's feel quite different whereas for me the DC films have all felt quite similar I suppose um, I don't know if that's I feel it. like I know what I'm getting when I go to a Marvel film mm -hmm. um, 
but then the sin the universe itself is very varied because you have Daredevil and things, and you have Guardians of the Galaxy, and mm-hmm. they do have a, a lot of different tones working in. The, yeah, that, that's sort of tone, yeah. Tonally, the DC universe seems to be taking itself very seriously. Mm. Even Suicide Squad, which felt like their attempt to do a Guardians of the Galaxy or something like that, a bit lighter, mm. um, was plagued again with a sort of self-grandiosity. Yeah. Um, what I feel a lot of the time with DC is it sort of wants to be, oh, this is sort of fun, but it does take itself very seriously in a lot of ways. And the more serious you make something, sometimes the sillier it seems. This is like... DC's main poster child, one of them, one of them is an alien who wears a, a onesie with a red cape, and the other is a man that dresses like a bat. You cannot take these people. Yeah. If you take it too seriously, you risk. I don't know. You can take it seriously in a in a heightened theatrical way. I feel. Yes. It doesn't. You don't like. I'm excited about the Lego Batman movie, but mm, not yes. every Batman film needs to be like that. You can mm. have... I still feel like Tim Burton's Batman films are serious. Yeah. I think it's about... It's serious in that you take what you're doing seriously. Yes. You respect the property. Marl has a really good knack of just get, understanding how you can put a comic book character in a film, I mm. feel. Like, I don't think of Doctor Strange and Ant-Man and all these very unusual characters... Um, it never really crosses my mind they're, they're a bit silly mm. um, because the films embrace that and stick to the core whereas I feel DC's always a little bit embarrassed by their properties in the films at least I got a sense from Batman vs Superman that Zack Snyder really doesn't like Superman mm. he just doesn't get him, doesn't find get why people like him mm-hmm. um, which and is also, a shame and that, this is a thing I feel people that do criticise the recent DC films face people say that they're just hating or they're just Marvel fans when I will always call Marvel out when I don't enjoy something and I really want DC to do well because mm. I do like those characters yeah I've got to say quickly before we move on because I feel that we, otherwise we could it's a big subject we will be talking about this <laughs> yeah um, I do appreciate that in the Lego Batman movie which I cannot wait to see there is a bit in the trailer that is directly ripping off Superman versus Batman and mm-hmm. it makes me very happy <laughs> it's just like my name my nemesis is Superman <laughs> just I cackled the first time I saw it and they did the cutaway and it's the same sort of dramatic saturated colour which looks even more ridiculous in Lego and it's beautiful I kind of feel Zack Snyder might be a bit upset by the thought that the Lego Batman is probably going to be one of the highest rated tom- Rotten Tomato Batman films <laughs> um, but we'll see it might we'll not see. Um, we have a question um, from Benji Campbell via email hi Jaden Hamish smiley face Greetings from New York. I was wondering if you had all seen the new trailer for Colossal. It's a new kaiju film starring Anne Hathaway. What's your opinions on it? Do you think it could be fun or turn out to be utter garbage? Thanks for the amazing podcast. I can't wait for more. Right. What you guys have to understand as we are about to answer this question is that Hamish really likes kaiju movies. Yeah. I used to run a Tumblr blog called Kaijusaurus, um, which is now I gave to someone else because I couldn't really keep up with Kaiju news. Um, 
and they now run it and have a really good podcast. So if you like kaiju stuff, listen to the Kaiju Source podcast. It's really great. Um, but yeah, it's my forever fandom. Mm-hmm. Never really goes away. My office studio is filled with Godzilla toys and mm-hmm. um, yeah. So Hamish, as a proclaimed fan of the, of the genre, how do you feel about the trailer? Well. I was following it for a while, mm-hmm. and a lot of discussion around it made it seem like it might be taking the piss a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but from the trailer, everything to actually do with the kaiju attack seems to be taken kind of seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a horrible thing to happen. Um, the gim—I won't say gimmick—the twist is that the kaiju is being controlled by a woman on the other side of the world, um, which is really interesting. And this is some, I, one thing I do appreciate is that um, people from the outside the kaiju fandom, mm-hmm. I think, just think every single film is about a monster attacking a city and that there's nothing else. Yeah. Um, but in the Godzilla series on its own, you have those kinds of films, but you also have espionage thrillers and science, like sci-fi space operas and all kinds of other genres and ideas. So, I like that. It seems to be um, made by someone who, I guess, has their heart in the right place and has a, a love for the genre. Mm-hmm. How um, do you feel? I hadn't seen the trailer before we started recording the episode, mm. and so I have literally just watched it, and I think it looks really good fun. I'm a big fan of Anne Hathaway. Um, looking at the trailer base, and it's a short trailer. It's, like, very short. Um the effects look cool. The cast, I'm guessing, who are in America are all very white looking. Yep. And if it turns out to be a gag mocking women as being destructive forces not in control of themselves, I will be really pissed off. I was thinking it would be more, if anything, well, what my fears when I heard about mm. it is it'd be mocking aren't Asian scared of giant monsters, which mm. I see a lot as a kind of joke. And yeah. I don't find shouting Godzilla in a japanese accent funny yeah um yeah there's those concerns but i I think there's the potential there for a really cool comedy concept that's a love letter to this this genre so i think it looks fun and i think that hamish and i will probably go i say we'll probably go he'll have probably already seen it well (laughs) we we met because of a kaiju film we did so i'm we are in a very fun time for the genre and Mm -hmm. i'm enjoying exciting stuff happening what's going on but yeah um, codename Helken on Twitter. I gave you all the harder names. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, asked us, do you think we need more queer protagonists in movies and video games? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and retro... <laughs> no, it all... <laughs> that is the reason we're doing a podcast. We yes. Do, we, we are going to add to that with the next question. Uh, retro Mocky on Tumblr asked us, uh, what can video games do to have better LGBT representation or what the difference is between good and bad representation? Um, this is a big question and one that we hope to sort of uh, offer thoughts on as time goes by because what I find good representation, somebody else with the exact same experiences as me might not like. Exactly. And somebody with a different experience my hate or something so a lot of your own personal views come into view with regarding something that is 
whether something is good or bad representation. The fact that there isn't more of it, generally speaking, is a problem. Yeah, I mean, I the words that I found very interesting about that first question was protagonists. Mm. Um, because there's a lot of representation that's friends and other stuff. Um, I I really want queer protagonists in non-LGBT section of Netflix films. Mm-hmm. I think everyone kind of does. Yeah. Um, and I've, I always look for it and I always am hopeful. And last year, for example, um, we saw some things like Sulu and et cetera, like characters in the narrative. Mm-hmm. But I just would be really interesting to see something like Die Hard, but it's just a gay person. Mm. Um, I feel like video games having better LGBT representation. The thing about video games is it's ultimately in the hands of the player. I mean, there are developers who purposely give options to have, like, same-sex interactions, like um, Bioware, yes? Bioware. Yeah. Um, I, I know a big draw of their games, one of the things I'd heard about them is because they sort of have made sort of that an option for when you play. And that's when you have that kind of interaction as a character, I feel you can do that sort of representation. But I don't know. We talked in our Overwatch episode about uh, queer characters. And I feel like the game industry, from our perspective of it as queer people, we're always going to want it. But it's a money game and a numbers game. Um Things like uh, Mass Effect and Dragon Age, yeah. where you can choose to date characters of the same gender, mm-hmm. um, I find really interesting. For, so, for example, I'm one of the few, I guess, well, from from an outside view, I'm one of the few people on the kind of Tumblr, socially aware side of things that plays as the male shepherd in Mass Effect because I want to... I have seen female captains of shows, and I have not seen a gay one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really cool that you can choose. And I think it's... I like to see space captains kissing guys. But I would like to see more games where the representation isn't a choice the player makes. Mm. Where here's a badass space marine game, and we are going to make you play as a gay person. Mm-hmm. I think that would be quite interesting. Yeah, it would. I'd love to see that. Because um, then it is up to you, and it it's interesting having discussions with other people who've played things like Mass Effect, and they say things about the Shepard character, and I think, oh, that's not the character. And I realised that, oh, my feelings of representation weren't in your experience of the game. Mm. It, it's something I know we've said before, and we will continue to say, the whole idea of what I think is good representation or what is good representation is representation that can't be ignored. Yes. Or can't be a, it's not a, if I'm not looking directly at it, it's not gay. <laughs> yeah, actually there's something, they've made a slight change and the game isn't out yet so I haven't seen how it's um, handled but in the new Mass Effect game mm-hmm. um, they have changed the fact that in previous ones there was some people you could date and some people you couldn't based on your gender mm-hmm. um, and some characters had very fixed sexualities. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they've done it so I think you can date anyone. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. 
but that but I really liked how some characters take something away from had sexualities. Yeah, and we've talked before about how people have hacked games to change characters' sexualities. Mm-hmm. So they can date them. Yeah. And I know they're fictional and I know they're polygons, but I feel like that's wrong. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I can't even think of any particular examples of good and bad. I, I'm not a gamer. Um, it's not a, a world I spend a whole lot of time in, and that's sort of what the focus of this particular question not is enough for me to put them in categories. Like I'm so desperate that like bad representation, I still get a little bit happy about because it's representation. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I can't remember it ever being like the the one I jumped to as bad representation. More has to do with um, sort of trans characters and. A thing that happens in movies and TV shows as well, the the kind of reveal of someone not being the gender they were you thought they were kind of stuff. Yeah. An interesting character I feel in video games that um do you know Birdo from Mario games? Yes. So originally in an instruction booklet, it was a joke that Birdo's really a boy, but thinks that they're a girl. And in a weird sort of way, that was started off as a kind of a silly joke from a different era, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and now I think Nintendo have completely like wiped that from their memory and she just is a girl. Mm-hmm. But that's also kind of cool. And I feel that uh, queer fans have kind of embraced Birdo as this... They've kind of reclaimed her a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's quite funny. That's cool. Like, I know, I'm sorry to keep talking about this, but in a similar thing, the creator of Samus... Yes. Um, ...joked in an interview once, is there, like, is there, got asked, is there anything we don't know about Samus? And said, she's a trans woman, kind of as a joke. Mm-hmm. But that's not how the queer community took that. They said, no, she's ours. Yeah, you've said it. Ours <laughs> yeah, now. She's ours. You can't has. Yeah. So, there's a bit of player involvement in trying to get good representation, I suppose. Yeah. Another question that we got on Twitter... From Tom Fomo, which is, uh, do you play D&D? If so, what are your fave races slash classes to play? Jay, do you play D&D? I do play d <laughs> We both do. Um, you play a lot more than I do. Yeah, I'm currently playing in, I'm playing in two games as a player, and I'm also DMing a third. And then listening to a D&D uh, podcast and watching a DVD stream show. Yes, yes, I am. I've played D&D technically once. I've played Pathfinder and I've played a lot of Fate and Call of Cthulhu and other tabletop games. Mm-hmm. Mostly just because I have my tabletop friend who prefers those games. Yes. But um, what are our favourite races slash classes to play? Um, well, at, at, at present, I play a Halfling Rogue, uh, Arcane Trickster. And I play a gnome wizard uh, school of transmutation. I've played a halfling, a dragonborn, um, and then a vampire, but in a mm. slightly different game. And what classes were they? Uh, halfling rogue. Mm-hmm. Um, Represent! A dragonborn bard. Mm-hmm. Um, and vam- uh, we played the vampires in Fate. Um, 
so it's not really a class, but I was a kind of a... I was basically playing Bayonetta. An excellent choice. Um, <laughs> I, it's an interesting thing. I always like the small races. I've not. Pl- I've, I've yet to play as a dwarf, um, but, they're cool. but I've always really liked gnomes and halflings. I, I've always gone... That's the race I'd, I'd like to play. Purely, I think, because it's such a, a divorced thing from my reality. I also really want to play as a Goliath or a half-orc. Mm. So I sort of want to go tiny and wee and nippy or big and can cave your face in. And no in between. I mean, there's some interesting stuff that can be done with playing as a human. Or, um, But tieflings have never appealed. I mean, I could play a tiefling quite happily. If somebody said, here's a tiefling, I'd be like, sweet, let's go. But... That 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 particular race has there's will the in the stuff in there. I, it's never really grabbed me as um that would be really exciting to play. Ditto elves. Like I've never gone. You know what I'd really like to play an elf. Yeah, I don't really. Uh, I tend to go with the little or big. Mm-hmm. Um, when I mean in my heart. I would say dwarf, but I've never actually played as one, so mm-hmm. I can't say that's my favourite to play. But you can, you can still have them as a favourite as uh, to look at. I mean, yeah, I did play as a dwarf in um, Dragon Age, and mm-hmm. there was never any debate about me doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I find, again, I don't. I think it might just be an aesthetic thing. I don't really like relate mm. to their culture in any way, but. Yeah. Um, I very much enjoyed playing a dragonborn. Yeah. Um, in general, my dragon... My, what uh, colour dragonborn are you? Gold. What breath weapon do you get as a gold dragonborn? If you can't remember, I my player's I, handbook is within reach. And I think I can I just... Ha- I remember just breathing fire. Because the think, first thing we ever did mm-hmm. in um, our game was we woke up in this um, uh, like underground little basement... Um, and it was really dark, and we're trying to find a way to see where we're going. And I said, I know, I'll light a torch with my flame weapon in this tiny enclosed dim uh, place. I set a couple of people on fire. I used Yeah, 15-foot cone. I, I did a 15-foot cone in a less than 15-foot uh, <laughs> thing filled with five people. Um, I set I burned people which uh, damaged them from the next few fights I'd used my breath weapon um, and then as we got out I said oh hey I have a lamp (laughs) 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 so that's that's a character I was playing that's beautiful I love it I really liked playing a dragonborn because I feel with a lot of the other races there's so much baggage Mm -hmm. but dragonborn feels quite unique and I could sort of everyone was a little bit vague about how I feel about dragons how I feel about um, more humanoid characters. Yeah. Um, I am very much drawn to lizards in all kinds of ways and reptiles, mm-hmm. and it was really fun. And I, it's also fun because my halfling rogue was a bit meek and didn't get involved too much in the fighting. Yeah. And even though I was a bard, mm. I was a bard that could breathe fire. Um, and You're like your own doof warrior. I was my own doof warrior. I actually was saying that I I would like perform and. Uh, do sort of flame stuff as a. Mm. I, it's like it's weird that I've never played as a wizard or any kind of magic user because I feel very um, daunted by yeah. learning about. Spells. I think as a new player, um, 
I will say also on races, I have my own race that I've developed as a, a DM uh, that I don't want to give too much away because I'm hoping to write it up and put it on the DMs Guild. Uh, but with fa- exploring Fey heritage because that's a thing that I've always really liked. Mm. But uh, yes, with regards to classes, um, my Halfling Rogue is a character I've played before and I love her so very much. And um, I wanted to go Arcane Trickster because it appealed more than... I liked the idea of having some spells rather than going like the Assassin class, which wasn't interesting for me for her as a background, or although or the Thief class, because I just like the idea of somebody who was really interested in magic. Mm. And as I um, and I play as a gnome wizard in my other game, and but what's interesting about that is in that world the study of arcane magic like that is actually heavily restricted and as a gnome she shouldn't have access to that kind of thing so it's sort of character driven but rogue as a class i've always liked i like being sneaky Mm. um because in life i am not when i played as a rogue what would typically happen Mm -hmm. is i had a battle would start i'd sneak around with this huge plan of what to do and then the orc barbarian would mm-hmm. uh, kill everyone in the room, and then I would have spent the whole fight under a bed waiting to like unleash mm. my amazing secret plan. Um, yeah. So w- that's why I didn't quite enjoy playing as a rogue. Yeah, I would like to. I think to be fair, all I have vague plans for a character of every single class mm. because why not? But I would really like to play as either a barbarian or a fighter. It's quite freeing. Yeah, I um, like the idea of getting to play a grog smash. Yeah, even though it's fate when I played as my mm. um, vampire Katya. Uh, that was so much fun because I didn't have to think about just diving into danger and I probably would take everyone out and it will yeah. be fine. As, yeah, as somebody that can be a little bit hesitant in life to act, the idea of just being a character is like... Let's do this. Well, it's the first time I played a character that was very not my personality. Yeah. Um, the Dragonborn was and the the Halfling Rogue were very similar to how I would feel in situations. Yeah. I'm ignoring uh, the Call of Cthulhu game I played because I basically played as Garth Marenghi. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's fantastic. And... But yeah, like, it was really fun. That's actually really fun and kind of easier to play... Mm-hmm. A character a bit different to yourself, I find. Yeah, I wish... Yeah, I mean, Dre, my my rogue, and Ren, personality-wise, are quite different to me. Though, amusingly enough, or not, as the case would be, Ren has kind of ended up as the group mum, like, as the moral voice, and I'm like, how does this keep happening to me? <laughs> Whereas, yeah. not so much in the other game, but that's cool. Um, on a similar note, we had um, an anonymous rogue on Tumblr asked us uh, what fantasy class do we think our favourite sci-fi characters would be well what's your favourite sci-fi character ooh a good question oh it's probably Newt Geisler from Pacific Rim I just thought that um, it's either that or it's the Doctor we could choose a few if you had Newt and the Doctor um I'm trying to think who my favourite sci-fi character is. That was what I was struggling And then I, yeah. I literally just had to rack my brain a little bit. Um, well, while you think, uh, um, Wizards of the Coast released um, a new uh, class um, called Artificer, 
which is basically a mad scientist. <laughs> and that is so new. You can either go the alchemy route or the gunsmith route. But the it's somebody that makes magical items and is sort of driven by this need to understand and create magic. And I'm just like, well, that's just Newt. Mm. That's Newt. <laughs> End of. Um, the Doctor is harder. Because my initial instinct is to go at definitely some kind of spellcaster. But at the same time, I was like, I actually kind of think the Doctor might be a bard. I think so. I mean, also, maybe some doctors more than others. Yes. I was going to say each doctor. But when you think about turn. how the last series of Doctor Who started with the doctor rolling in with a guitar mm-hmm. to, like, have fun and intimidate people. Yeah. Um, the thing, I mean, the doctor is, at the end of the day, he'll always try to talk his way out rather than fight. Yeah. And that, to me, sounds like a bard. Yeah. Like or and it, but inspires others to act. I mean, he's he's known as a renegade time lord. Maybe mm-hmm. he is a bit of a rogue as well. He's That's quite true. He's quite, oh, he's probably an arcane trickster. Maybe. I mean, I think of him being like quite sleight of hand and yeah. Um, no, I like that. Doctor. Also, he has a solid screwdriver, so he can pick locks and things. Oh, there we go. I think you sussed it. Um, okay, what about you though? Some favorite, some favorite sci-fi oh, characters. Oh God. I haven't even got one in my head. I, these probably won't turn out to be my favourites. Yeah, they'll, they'll go for it. I was going to say, for the record, Star Wars is basically already a fantasy game. It's already fantasy. I was thinking Star Wars. Like The thing about Star Wars is it's fantasy in space. It's as much yeah. fantasy as it is sci-fi. Yeah, I don't even know who my favourite Star Wars character. I mean, I, I've been thinking about Leia a lot recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what she'd be. I feel like she might be a fighter. Yeah, I mean, my she has a few different images. I always like, imagine her mm. with the gun. Yeah, because there's a couple of there's a battle master and then there's champion like strategists as well. I think I don't know my D and D classes enough. I can pass you the book, but this might take up a big no, chunk. It's of okay. The, it might I, take up a big chunk of the episode. Um, yeah, I mean, Star Wars does feel like a D and D campaign. It does in the best um, in the best sense. Yeah, uh, I mean. In a, a slightly different way, who do you think out of Star Wars is a bard? I kind of want to say C-3PO, but that's purely based on your gold dragonborn. <laughs> My dragonborn was gold because he was meant to personality-wise be C-3PO. Mm-hmm. But we didn't really have much... Like, the campaign we're in, C-3PO wouldn't have lasted a second, so I had to yeah. slightly change my character. I don't know, to be honest. I mean... Bard also, to double back slightly, is a class I adore. I don't know how well I would play, but I love watching good Bard characters. I want to get better at being a Bard, because I feel like... Um, the Yeah, the, ga- the campaign I was playing a Bard in was this kind of eldritch horror, like, 24 hours in hell, which was kind of fun. Mm. But um, I, I really wished I had, like... I'd love to play a bard in like a bigger group of people mm-hmm. and we're more on a kind of rambly adventure. You should play a dwarf bard. I think that's what I'm destined for. And in all seriousness, we should find a game where you can be a dwarf bard, I'll be a dwarf something else. I'll be like a fighter or something and we can have merry adventures and it will be grand. I look forward to that day. I look forward to drawing them. I always draw my characters. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy to draw... Well, I'm not putting it out there, but I'm happy to draw everyone's. <laughs> but it's something I like doing. I like... 
Which reminds me, I need to get you to draw my D and D characters, but that's in a conversation. My well, my D and D group is a bunch of comic artists, mm-hmm. so we always have to. It's part of the fun to draw. first session thing where we bring our little piece. Yeah. Go like, there they are. And we go whoa. <laughs> I'm trying um, to think of any other sci-fi characters I desperately want to suss out. Another another sci-fi film I think of as a and d campaign is Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, I just... It, the So many campaigns start with a ragtag bunk meet in prison and mm-hmm. escape together, and then they just kind of... I mean, if you, if you look at Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, Drax is a barbarian. Yeah. Um, Gamora is an assassin, which is a rogue subclass. Star-Lord's a bard. Star-Lord's the bard! He yes! solves the problem with dancing. He does! That's, um, that's he's so good. Bard. He's a good... He's a... Like how... um, It's trying to find, like, a good example of a Hufflepuff mm. or whatever. Yeah. Like, he feels like the poster boy for, like, Sci-fi. how to be a badass bard. Yeah. Um, other than the Doof Warrior, who is the epitome of yes. badass bard. Um, um, Groot would be a monk, because he's unarmed combat, and he's yes. very chill. Um, um, I feel like Rocket would be some kind of spellcaster because he has a lot of like mechanic because he's the builder he's like yeah. the, again the artificer class which is a new thing uh, Mad Max is sci-fi so do, is Mad Max sci-fi so who's, well, that's a, I don't it's interesting I don't think of Mad Max as sci-fi but no. I suppose you could say it's what do they call it um, soft sci-fi yeah but I, I, I never really think of dystopia because dystopia is sort of its own it's and post apocalyptic are its own rules. Also, dystopian is just like documentary nowadays. Yeah, oh my darling. god, I'm so edgy. Oh um, my god. Hey. <laughs> um, there's some weird things of sci fi, like technically Moomins are sci fi because there's lots of like weird alien stuff going on. Huh. Um, it, what would you consider Furiosa? Furiosa's a fighter. Because she's one of my favorite. I mean, I still can lumber her in in the sort of genre of fiction. No, I could say I, an argument could be made for her being a barbarian because she does rage. Yeah, and she's good aim though. So. Remember? Yeah, like it's oh, you're the better aim. There is a fighter class. You can specialize in ranged weapons and stuff like archery. So that'd be cool. Man, now I just kind of want a D and D character that's basically Furiosa. Another time. Another time. Maybe Too many my, characters. Maybe my dwarf. Maybe my dwarf can be like a Furiosa. It is the fun thing about being a DM is that you can introduce, NPCs, char- introduce NPCs. characters as much as you come up with them. As it is, actually, my D&D character, um, my, my my gnome wizard, um, has a prosthetic leg. Nice. Which was a choice I wanted to make. It's part of her backstory. Um, also, this will be fun when I commission you with her, her prosthetic that I'm going to have to describe to you in really great detail. <laughs> That's cool. I like. I want. I. I would definitely do a few sketches because I feel like you, one's character. You have them very clear in your head. Mm. I wouldn't want to put a picture in. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Because uh, seriously though, I do feel like this is a thing that people actually. I tell you what. Get in contact with us and tell us your favourite sci-fi character and what class you think they would be because that'd be really fun for us and. Mm. Um, I also want to know what people think. And fantasy and anything, just yeah, like tell geeky us. characters, and we'll try and. Yeah, it'll be sort like them. it'll be like the new sorting game, like. And I mean, other than classes, what alignments? Alignments are interesting because you always see these great posts going around about um, what people are, and there's always lots of arguments about it. And the thing is, if you go back to original D and D, like the alignment table was never meant to be a guide about personality choice, about what your personality is like. It's rather just like how you choose to act. Mm. So, I mean, 
according to the quiz that I took, that was actually very detailed and very good, and I cannot remember where I did it, I am personally neutral good. I veer towards chaotic characters, generally speaking, because that's fun for me. But um, I veer towards lawful because I'm too scared. It's like in video games where they offer you the the good choice or do the evil choice. And yeah. it's just, no, good, yeah. good. There's um, <laughs> I read. I saw um, one of the players on Critical Role uh, talking about this. A character they played. I can't remember if he described them as which flavor of evil, but he described them as being an. It was an evil character in a good party who was secretly undermining everything they did, mm. like Hannibal. Hmm. Like every time their back was tied, he would like tell the enemies where they were going to be and stuff. And I'm like, that sounds amazing. That was, this is pretty off topic, but there was a Channel 5 reality show ages ago called The Mole. Oh, I think I remember hearing about that. One of my favourite shows, which was basically a bunch of challengers and someone throughout the entire series was secretly trying to ruin every challenge they did. And they didn't tell the audience mm-hmm. or. And the contestants had to guess who it was. And um, I just remember the first mole they ever did was, his surname was Buxton, mm. and they gave all of the clues. And one of them was that, as you've noticed, we've had Buxton advertising, Buxton water, throughout all of our advert breaks. So every advert break we've been telling you, it's Buxton. <laughs> and like all these really like clues yeah. and stuff. It was really fun. I was going to say, the game Resistance... Um, is really fun for that. I mean, I think, I think Werewolf works on a similar dynamic. I just think um, doing betrayal a, and ha- household still betrayal. And ha- I'd like to do a D and D game based on that kind of thing. Could be fun. Mm, where like would, would, we, would, we, the, we should would, work one shot out. Would the party know? No. So someone had been told secretly they've got to. Yeah, it'd be fun. Like as a one shot, everybody develops their characters, and then you just give out five cards or however many players you've mm. got, and one side you are the mole. Nice. I and played Werewolf in, with my... Insight um, checks and stuff, it'd be great. I played Werewolf with my grandma this Christmas, it was amazing. <laughs> was she good? Did she win? Uh, no. Oh. I, well, my mum as well, and she um, kept... Uh, I don't know. Everyone's poker faces are really hard, because mm-hmm. I've never played games like that with them, yeah. so I haven't learned anything. Um, from... Okay. Sorry. From Nyao Wave on Twitter... Yeah. Um, how do you deal with homophobia in a geeky setting? <sighs> well, d- should we consider this any kind of LGBT discrimination? Yeah, um, I-, I feel that's a fair thing to expand to. I mean, there's... I don't know. I don't very well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of specific emotions, because I've kind of... I have a little bit... Uh, one might say bubbled myself or whatever, but like I choose to go to geeky situations where that'll be less of a that's the, I was going to say that's the same thing with me. Like I try to, when I engage in a more public way with fellow geeks, I try to do it in places where this is going to be less of an issue. Yeah. Because I, and I was going to say it's, a di- it's trying to avoid it before it, you have to deal with it. And I feel like it's about trying to keep yourself safe, not in it just not necessarily in a physical sense, but in an emotional sense. Yeah, like we go to um, a con area called Nine Worlds, mm-hmm. and it being a uh, LGBTQ plus leaning con is part of its um, mm-hmm. advertising things. And I think I've talked before, I think 
um, actually no, Travis McElroy, something mm. that he said, which I do agree with, which is a a problem with safe spaces is mm. that when you feel like you're in one, your guards come down to a point where things hurt more. Yeah. And I feel that at Nine Worlds every year um, with a few friends of mine where because this should be the one that's perfect, mm. anything that isn't, which as something like MCM, I would just brush off as like, well, yeah. Well, yeah, it's MCM. If it at, happens at Nine Worlds, it feels so much more hurtful. When I get misgendered at Nine Worlds, it sucks. Yeah. So much harder than it does anywhere else. Um, so even in those places where we've scoped out, it is mm. tough. But how to deal with homophobia, trans is find your people. Because they are there in every geeky setting. You There are going to be people like you. Mm. And it's sort of, it's like, take your toys and your friends and you go to your own sandbox. I mean, make your own geeky settings. And I said that doesn't solve the problem. But if you make spaces and settings where that isn't welcome and you make that clear, and then if somebody then starts to perpetuate that kind of behaviour, then you, it's your space, okay, you have more power to remove people from it. A um, one of my first geeky community experiences, mm. I joined a forum when I was probably about fourteen, fifteen mm-hmm. on Tintranet. Um, Tintrawebs, uh, which was should I name it? You can. It was VGDC Video Game Directors Cut. I've which never was, heard of it. No, it, I mean, I was just naming because I don't actually know anyone there. But it was really strange because um, essentially I was witch hunted off of there for being gay. And blocked by the owner. Oh, wow. And at the time, I was very much fair enough. That's mm. what happens. And I didn't even... I didn't feel in any way insulted. I was upset they had found out. I was feeling, oh, I'm so stupid for of mentioning that. Um, and I joined again under a different name. <laughs> and, like, that was one experience. And I had the my first Godzilla forum I joined. Um, you know, it was very right wing in certain ways and mm-hmm. stuff like that um genuinely one of the reasons i stopped the, the most dip i've had in my kaiju love is um feeling the fandom as a whole was very much one way mm-hmm. um and it's been really lovely in the last four or so years gradually finding the sort of tumblr community mm-hmm. of kaiju fans which is very small but it makes it tighter and closer and we all mm-hmm. follow each other, and it's... Yeah, I think every every franchise will have um, its... Maybe... We've talked about pockets before. You find yeah. bowls, and as much as... Even within the community, you sometimes come up against discourse, yeah. and even in geeky settings like the world of fanfic, there is homophobia, there is transphobia, and a lot a lot of people are trying to work against their own prejudices and do better but people are learning all the time i think it's a matter of being aware finding spaces where you can finding like-minded people everyone's Um, learning yeah there are some people that are always aren't going to change and if you can avoid them do because the whole point of the stuff we geek out about is you're doing it out of love this is a thing you enjoy there's a problem with um, 
geeks, I suppose, in that many of us have felt um, rejected in some way by mm-hmm. society. Yeah. So I feel some people respond to that by being in. quite entitled and in geeky circles and mm-hmm. becoming the rejector, I suppose. Don't be Ga- that person. Like gatekeeping and things. Um, it's like... I've... Yeah. I'd say to that, be the kind of person that you wish you'd found when you were younger. Mm. That's what I... That's how I try to think about my interactions in fandom and in geeky spaces is I want to be the person that when 13-year-old slash 14-year-old me was just getting into stuff, could have done with that friend. Yeah. And I would like to try and be that friend for other people. It's really weird. When we were talking about, like, um, I think in the first episode, we are trying to talk about seeing ourselves. Mm. Um, I have this very distinct memory of being quite young on the internet and seeing a gay user on the... User? (laughs) um, On a forum who was just sort of out and being very casual about it. And I never knew what they looked like or... Mm. And never talked to them, but it really changed a lot of how I viewed myself in a way. I was kind of shocked someone was being that casual about it. Mm-hmm. So, as much as there is homophobia in geeky settings, mm. um, it's helped me so much more. Yeah, there are the communities within there as well. Yeah. Um. Um, we've had an anonymous question um, from Tumblr, which is um, how to write transgender characters for children's media. Now, I I say I'm occasionally a writer. I don't do a whole lot of writing. Um, and I'm not transgender. So we're in an interesting conundrum. <laughs> this is something... Hopefully in the future this is a a subject we'll be able to tackle with a guest Mm. in a better position to talk about this. But what I suppose I can say is um, I don't think you have to write transgender people any differently for children's media than you do for adult media. You might need to change some of your language. But children are generally very... You learn disgust. You learn about cis-normativeness. Like, mm. my niece um, is seven, and um, she understands that. If you say, my niece understands that there are men and there are women and there are people that don't feel like either and there are people that feel like both and there are people that... Are, she she knows to call me that. She knows that I use they-them pronouns and she understands that. Yeah, I mean, from a children's writing perspective... Because I do write for children's media. You do. Um, there's there was recently an episode of Powerpuff Girls, mm-hmm. which tried to do a transgender storyline with a metaphor of a unicorn or like a horse that wanted to be a unicorn, and then it has some experiment and then turns into a monster, and it oh wonderful was very poorly done. And I feel... Don't do that. No. I feel when you're writing for children's media, I don't think the priority should be about transphobia and 
making people feel isolated. I feel like I feel like when you make stuff for children's media about transgender characters, you should emphasize the it's okayness of it all mm-hmm. rather than the you're probably like I don't know how to really word it. I think one of the problems with the the Powerpuff Girls episode was that it was written with the view that the only like what's being transgender it is feeling wrong mm-hmm. and while that's quite a complex thing to discuss mm-hmm. like with any topic we do there's not much of it so whatever you do becomes mm-hmm. way more scrutinized yeah you just got to think is my is what i'm writing going to do more harm than good to the trans kids watching yeah and to people cuz there are trans children this yeah. is not something that adults go through. Or just adults go through. Sorry, that was poor wording on my part. <laughs> there there are trans children. At the end of the day, if you aren't trans and are writing trans media, talk to trans people. Do your research. Trans people are not your resource. You do not call one person trans one trans person with all of your questions. Do research. Be understanding. Be willing to learn. Another be willing thing. to listen. So- um, I write a transgender character in a comic, which I do consider all ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and my viewpoint is I am not telling a trans narrative. Mm-hmm. The comic is not, I'm going to teach everyone what being transgender is. The way I've written it is this character is trans. There'll be references for those who are clued up. Mm-hmm. Um, and certain things will happen, but none of it will be, I don't know. The idea of a transgender storyline mm-hmm. sounds very cis. <laughs> like, yeah. um, it's just a character, and I, I feel like I am constantly battling the trying to not make it flippantly nothing, how it's not affected him in the slightest, but also mm. not trying to make the whole comic about it because I'm not the person to tell that story. Yeah. And again, and one final thing is that um, because there are so few of these kinds of characters, there's the pressure to say of everything this character says is how transgender people feel. Like, mm. When no, that's how that character feels about themselves. Yeah, no, I was going to just expand that there is no single transgender experience. It's as varied as there are people are varied. So it's, yeah, I'd say do research, listen be understanding and don't feel like your character has to express all trans experiences. And I think also don't, I'm a bit tired of metaphor, like we're past that. Yeah, can, you don't need to speak you around can just it. just have a trans character. Mm-hmm. Just be overt. Yeah, and I mean, it, you don't necessarily have to go full pelt trans character, trans character straight away, like, well, just saying don't talk about metaphor, but... Like, for example, in Steven Universe, mm. Steven is a little boy. Well, he's half gem. But he also likes makeup and likes to dress in skirts and is very emotional. And I feel like making those sorts of things clear, like sometimes boys wear dresses, sometimes yeah. things like that. To make the environment mm. that when, if, when children do... Uh, 
question their gender it's not something they're afraid to do no they they can look to people and go oh that's how i feel or that's what i would like to do yeah i think generally we want to see a kind of yeah sanding down of binary ideas of gender which is is so extreme in children's media yeah and toys and everything Mm -hmm. but it's a working and people are doing stuff and it's good to see there can always be more done but it's sort of it's beginning and another thing, sorry, we've, there's so much to talk about. One last thing is that um, because there are so few of these characters, they get analysed to a degree that no straight mm-hmm. character or no mm-hmm. cis character would ever be. And I feel that maybe when people react to bad representation with a blanket hatred, it does send a message that they shouldn't be doing this. Mm. Yeah, don't not try. Yeah. I think, yeah, don't not try. So I think that's going to add us today. Thank you, everybody who got in touch with questions. Thank you. It, it made us, we were wor- a little nervous, but you guys came through for us. Like I said at the start, keep sending in questions whenever you want. Mm. And um, I do reply to the questions to say they'll be featured if they're not anonymous. Um, so... And um, if you want to get in contact with us, uh, we're Box Not Included on Facebook, on Tumblr, on Twitter, and at gmail.com. You can get in contact with us through all of those. So, and uh, I think we're pretty good at uh, responding to it. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed uh, No Box Vox Pop. <laughs> we'll be doing another one in a few episodes as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you for tuning in. We're, we're glad to have you with us. Um, if you, you enjoyed the show, Please continue to tell your friends. Uh, if you're on, if you listen on iTunes, rate, subscribe. Um, you can actually you can subscribe through other things too. But leave us a review. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Please. Yeah, we want to do better. Um, we also want to thank Graham Waller, Audio Overlord, and Master of the Soundways for our theme music and helping produce the podcast. You can check out more of his work at GrahamWaller.com, and you can look for his podcast, uh, The Mix Cave about sound engineering and all manner of interesting sound wizardry that Hamish and I can only begin to understand. <laughs> we also have our individual Twitters. I'm at Hamish Steele. And I'm at Jade Oxford Rose. And <laughs> until next time, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And don't let anyone box you in. <laughs> <laughs>